1: Good evening. Good morning. Good night. Good second breakfast. Wherever you are, whenever you are, my name is Laura Gonzalez, and I welcome you to Lunatic Mondays, Lunes Lunáticos, on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. Today we have my dear friend from Asheville, North Carolina, Byron Baller. She's a West- <laughs> she's a Western North Carolina native, teacher, folklorist, and writer. She has served as a featured speaker and teacher at several festivals and conferences, including the Sacred Space Conference, Pagan Spirit Gathering, Starwood, Hexfest, and many others. She serves as a senior priestess and co-founder of Mother Grove, Goddess Temple, and the Coalition Earth Religions, CETES, both in Asheville, North Carolina. She podcasts about the Appalachian, Appalachian folkways on weird mountain girls, her essays are featured in several anthologies and she writes a regular column for sage woman magazine you can find her online at www.myvillagewitch.com and i am so thrilled to have you here tonight byron thank you for joining us it is so nice
2: to see you again I have just been so thrilled. I don't know if you're going to talk about this or not, but we have been friends for so long and had never really met each other. And when we did, it was just like, oh, yeah, like we had known each other 20 years, yeah.
1: which we have, probably. Yeah. So, and, yeah, And it's one of those magical things. And I don't think it's exclusive to souls that inhabit pagan bodies I think this happens to people in all realms that you have a very sense of kin belonging um in this case sisterhood um with somebody and it's so awesome that and I know for some people that don't believe that they will be like oh yeah whatever no <laughs> I really believe this sense of um a kin spirit the kin, kindred is the word I think kindred yeah Uh, with Byron since we met and this is not a secret everybody knows that I have a hard time writing and reading in English it's it just takes forever you know for my mind to process um, something that I'm reading or writing in English and her books are like sand on my hands they just (laughs) I can read your books very very quickly because the way you write is so fantastic but what I wanted to say publicly, uh, thank you, Byron. And this is not calling out anybody. Things happen. Uh, my guest for tonight, the person that was going to be my guest for tonight, couldn't pre record when we were set to pre record. So we rescheduled to yesterday. And yesterday, unfortunately, my guest had COVID and they couldn't come to record all the while Mm -hmm. i'm seeing all over the internet that byron ballard is um having a brand new book and everybody's talking about this book and within me i'm like rats i didn't um ask byron to come to the show for this new book and you know i'm telling myself all this kind of awful things and then suddenly i have this window And you had just said to somebody a few weeks ago, we are such good friends, but when she called me last minute to go on her show, I can do it. And I'm like, okay, Byron, can you come to the show tonight? (laughs) And she said yes. So thank you so much for being here. I'm here to talk about a book that I haven't read. So this is a first. First of all, tell us how you are. I am resting,
2: which is why I am so thrilled to be here with you, because I have had, I had probably the hardest August I've had in living memory. It was, I did two big trips, and one of them, as you well know, was the Parliament of the World's Religions, and in between, I was finishing up the book that will be my eighth book, which is called Feral Church. And I, I hit September 1 exhausted because what I had to do now was do all the extra promo that you have to do when you have a brand new book coming out, which is called Small Magics. So I've just been taking it as easy as I can in September. And that's why this morning or yesterday when you said, can you record in the morning? On, a, on my quote unquote normal schedule, I would have said, oh, I'm so sorry. I wish I could, but blah, blah, blah. But this isn't my normal schedule right now. So today I'm going to do some very exciting, magical work, including having the oil changed in my car, mailing off some packages. I might go to the drugstore for a little more Arnica salve. And, of course, the highlight of my day is getting to hang out with you for a little while. Oh. So <laughs> I – and. And I have to say too, there have been times when I was like your scheduled guest and suddenly there was an emergency and I couldn't appear and or I would have to rearrange it or I would do that thing that I just despise about myself. I would double book myself and be like, oh man, I told you I could do this time and date, but but I can't because this other thing and I didn't look at my calendar. So I happily step in in the same sense that I hope other people happily stepped in for me when I was in the same situation. We we are all here just um, wandering the paths
1: together, aren't we? Yes, and with something like children, right? People who have little children and when the children get sick or there's some issue, whatever, about their their child or children. Or in this case, um, this person, you know, had a one of those overbooked on Tuesday. And then yesterday we were ready and they were like, I have COVID and I can barely talk. So, you know, sending healing to them, obviously. And also a big shout out to Marcus Ironworth because I texted him last night and I said, you know what, I'm going to have a switch in the calendar and I'm going to invite uh Byron. And he immediately sent me a PDF of the book. I I just open it, a PDF. I don't know, Byron, but I just cannot do PDFs. I need to have they're, the book in my hands. They're, they're hard. Um, Llewellyn and Wiser both
2: have, and other publishers too, ask me sometimes to write a blurb for somebody's book. Somebody that I know or somebody that uh, I have a great affinity for. And they always send a PDF because it's fast and it's yeah. cheap. And, and I, you know, I read through it, but it's not, it's not fun. Yeah.
1: No, No, it's (laughs) not. But, but but a big shout out to Llewellyn and to Marcus, because he immediately stepped up on the plate and said like, here's a PDF so you can uh, read some. And the, I opened the PDF. Of course, I'm back a pack of activities yesterday and today, clients and such. And I just opened the book and I think the fr- the one thing that I saw that caught my eye and I'm like, of course, this is a Byron's book. You said, let's do away with Mundania. And just from <laughs> that, I'm like, yes, that's my friend. I so despise the concept of separation between the magic and the so-called mundane Um, yeah so question number one tell us what small magic is about and question number two please load it uh why do we need to do away with mundania
2: (laughs) i've been preaching that sermon for so long i will do my best to preach it in a short and succinct way no i want you to be i want you to go along (laughs) (laughs) small magics came out of a class that i developed pre-covid and i developed that class because i go to a lot of festivals and conferences and and not just young people i want to be clear about that not just young people but new people would would say some of the most bizarre things and i would think to myself well but you don't you don't actually practice magic do you even though that person might call themselves a witch or or whatever phrase they choose to use but they don't actually practice and then there were the people who who want to practice but they're afraid they're just not sure what to do and and they think it's all just um if I just get a perfect stick that fits my hand and and I can say you know a few garbled words in Latin or or Hebrew or whatever that that's what doing magic is and and I'm a folk magician. I learned to practice magic the way most people in my generation did by trial and error because there weren't a million books out. there were a handful of books, and they they didn't tell you a whole lot about the how-to of it. So I decided I would teach this class called Simple Practical Magic. And it was all it is because I still teach it. It is all about the building blocks of practice. And we call it practice in witchcraft for a reason, because if you don't practice it, you're not going to be any good at it. Like right now, when I finish here, because I love you. I'm going to go in and I'm going to do something because my heart, when I finish this interview with you, my heart is going to be so full. I'm going to get my fiddle out and I'm going to play it for the first time in almost 11 months because I just haven't had time to do it. So, if you don't practice, as I do not practice the fiddle, when I take that fiddle out, it's going to have to be tuned and the bow is going to have to be dealt with. And then I'm going to have to deal with the fact that I haven't practiced and I'm going to have to listen to what that sounds like. And trust me, it don't sound good. So if you don't practice magic, you're not going to be good at it because it's not its not an art that even if it comes naturally to you, you can do without practicing, period, period. So the class was a revelation for some people. Some people were like, wait a minute. So grounding, I'm not even good at grounding because I'm, you know, they say, oh, I'm an air sign. Oh, I'm no good at grounding. Oh, 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 well, I'm a triple water sign, but I spent a lot of time in the dirt. So I guess that's why it's easy for me, but. The book has a whole bunch of different ways you can ground. And once people learn the technique of grounding, here's what I think happens. And I talk about this in the book. I think grounding is the act of wrapping your physical body and your spiritual body together. Just like just like the double coil, the double helix of DNA. I think that's what grounding really is actually doing. So the people in the class were all, well, grounding's good, that's good. And then what do I do? And it it is an issue, I think, in the pagan community particularly, is that we tend, because we don't know any better, we tend to use our own personal energy to do magic. And what that energy, quote unquote, is that we are using is our life force And I will tell you, yes, do all the magic you want, harvest energy, do whatever, all that stuff. Do it, do it, do it, do it. But you can, in fact, use up your life force. And that's why people die, because they use up the amount of energy that is allotted to us for the length of our lives. So that's what it's about. It's about the building blocks of magical practice. And these are the building blocks from a folk magician. Because I'm not ceremonial. I don't do quote unquote high magic. Um, So I will be interested when I hear from ceremonial magicians, as I undoubtedly will, if that's the same sort of process they use. I don't think it necessarily is, but I also don't know. So that's what the book is about.
1: What comes to mind when, when people say high magic is almost what comes to mind when people say it's black magic and white magic. And we cannot escape the fact that those terminologies come from separation and the culture of separation and the white culture of separation. And I, you know me, I can get on my soapbox and you know talk about that thing for hours. But I think those are concepts that separate us. And I have practiced actually one of my best friends is a ceremonial magician but he also gets his hands on the dirt so Mm -hmm. you know he he does one and then the other but and also the books of of times past like you say they will tell you right do this in latin and you have to take two steps to the right and one to the left and if you don't do it that way you know the spirit is gonna come and it's gonna eat you and then you're gonna die and blah blah And for us folk practitioners, there is no such thing because trial and error exists, but mistakes, in my opinion, don't. What needs to happen, happen. And there is not, it's not a mistake. It's what needed to happen, you know? And even if the magic bites back at you, that's what needed to happen. You needed to be bitten by it,
2: (laughs) you know? Well, and when it bites back like that, that tells you something that tells you something about your intention, because maybe your intention about it, all the work wasn't clear. Maybe it was very, very vague. And so the vagueness of that comes back. But anytime, whether we're talking about magic or anything else in life, when something goes wrong, quote unquote, when something fails, it's an opportunity for us to learn to do it better. Because exactly. I want people to be excellent magic workers, not just I don't want them to have an outfit that they wear that makes them feel witchy or whatever. I mean, certainly have that if that's what you need. I'm not going to say you can't have that because I'm not your mama or your boss. But don't feel like that's the that's what makes you be a magic worker. It's the practice. Yeah. And when you are practicing, when you practice, you'll get better and better and better. Yeah. And there's a section in the book where i where I'm encouraging everybody to practice, of course i, I that's my soapbox. get on it and preach. Yeah. So I'm talking about that, and I'll say, and I promise you, if you will do this regularly in a year, your practice will you won't even recognize yourself. and in ten years, amazing. and in fifty years you won't even know now what it was possible for you to do. Exactly.
1: And the thing is, like you say, you know, people get cut up into, I can only use my energy and that's when they get like sick or, or don't get a compensation for the work when you do work for community. And I see it on Mexican folk magic, all these folk practitioners that, we have this horrible tradition that if you're the real deal, you don't charge money, which is ridiculous. And there they are all hunchback and with walkers and stuff. And you think they're 75 years old and they're 30, you know, because they don't, they use their life force and they don't get compensation, which I think is very important to understand that it is an energy exchange when you do it for, for your community, you know, there
2: has and to... and it may be you know we hear stories of and it may be true that that was still alive in mexican folk culture recently enough that people remember but i know in in anything european based we have this notion that the village healer was taken care of by the village so they would bring food and they would bring uh they would bring firewood and they would bring whatever that healer needed So that that healer could focus on walking between the worlds of matter and spirit and really being there for the community. But the community does not take care of its healers now. That kind of healer anyway. I guess we take care of doctors because they certainly do seem to charge enough. Mm -hmm. But those healers healers aren't being taken care of. The, The woman doesn't bake bread every Monday and take two loaves to the village healer. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. And so the if you are caught in the trap of no, no, you can't charge money for that, then the way you have to get out of that is by your community really stepping up and saying, I value all that you do for us. Yeah. And because of that, I'm gonna make sure before your next trip that your car gets serviced and I fill up the tank with gas. Yeah. Because I value what you do
1: but but people don't do that so you gotta you gotta charge money so you can do that yeah and as a person that is i i call myself a witch for hire because i think it's super funny um as a witch for hire i have to say thank you to my community because they're the ones that keep me afloat and unapologetically because it's a job it's a job to be the healer so you know but anyway, I really don't want to let this go because I'm like a, a dog with a bone here. Yeah. Mundania, Mundania.
2: Oh, like, I've been I've been preaching this sermon for a while too. Here's what happens when when you go to a big outdoor fest or a small any outdoor festival or conference. There are people who oh they feel like they get to be themselves. They are finally in a place that is mostly safe and they can be exactly who they want to be, which means they can dress in tie dye or grass skirts or sarongs or nothing at all. And then Sunday morning, they're all packing up, they're loading up their tents and their cars Oh no, I hate it. I hate having to go back to Mundania. Oh no, Mundania. Well, here's what happens when you think of the rest of your year. The other 50 weeks out of the year are where you have to live in a place where you are not welcome, where you have to hide who you are, and that there is no magic available to you. Oh, but you don't understand, Byron. I don't really have a community. Do you have ancestors? Do you have gods? I think you got some community. Anyway, so I started saying, take that word out of your vocabulary. There is no mundane because when you do that, you disenchant your world. And then you whine and complain because, well, but I set up an altar for my ancestors, but I never feel like they're around. Well, you only want them around from October the 20th till about November the 3rd. And after that, you won't put them in a box. And that's not how the work with spirits is. Sorry, youngins. Sorry, it's not how it is. So I have been berating people. And I'm going to use that word because I'm not nice about it. So when people go, in fact, right now on Facebook, I'm having a discussion with a friend of mine who was talking about the mundanes. So he went ahead and separated out not only mundania, but he said that anybody that's not like him is a mundane and it just flew all over me so we will when I get off here I will probably no doubt go back to that conversation and say really
1: how insulting is that how insulting is that I remember when the first Harry Potter books came out and people were at least in the Spanish community they were calling people who are not practitioners of magic or in or paganism uh moguls and that that also irked me because i have been other i have been ostracized i have been sidelined so now because i'm a magical practitioner openly in 24 7 now i get to sideline other people who are not or others that You know, they feel that it's wrong or whatever. Like, I don't know what kind of magic they have. And some of the things that I tell my apprentices, Byron, is we not only witches are not only pagan, there are witches of many denominations. And what I've learned, as you mentioned, we were at Parliament uh, a few weeks ago um, on the women's village. There were women of all denominations and all religions, and they were all there because of the divine feminine. So assuming and labeling things is never a safe practice. Ostracizing and othering is also not a practice. And how can we say that our life is magical when we are intentionally, as in magically, intentionally, Separating ourselves from the world and also separating the world from other people, you know, like where is the inclusiveness and where is the diversity that we preach those two weeks of the year when we are on festivals and or honoring the ancestors? I just posted on my Facebook, you must be a witch. I just posted on my Facebook. Don't tell me you honor your ancestors if you look down on migrants. Right. You know, because
2: all of our ancestors, no matter where they're from or where they are now, migrated from somewhere else, and it's just
1: the truth. Yep, and we migrate, whereas in for eons of time, native peoples in America, and when I say America, please know I'm talking about the continent, not the USA. Um, <laughs> native peoples in America will go up and down the continent without any issue you know because it was trade and learning and and sharing and all that so the people that have because like you and I this is our life this is our job this is our persona this is our personality 24 7 we are the witch right um uh, I don't have a nine to five where I have to go and hide my pentacle under my dress or whatever but those folks who do, I think they just drank the Kool-Aid, right? That there is a Mundania. How do we help them come out of that mindset?
2: Well, I, I have to, tell, you know, I'm Pisces, so I'm a wobble on the fence for a minute. I live in the South, and there are places in the South and in other areas of the country, but right now the South is really pretty ripe with it. Where if you wear a pentacle and you are ID'd as a pagan or a witch or whatever, you can lose your job, lose your housing, lose your children in a divorce situation. So if people feel it is not safe to be that open about what their practice is, they are the ones that have to decide that. I want everybody, I mean, I've been an outwitch forever. Uh, the proof of that is somewhere in a high school yearbook in the 70s, someone signed my yearbook to the communist witch who's the head of the mafia. Now, the communist part was probably pretty close in those days, which certainly I, I wish I had the kind of power and money to be the head of the mafia. But I think that'd be a hard job. So I I have been lucky for my whole I'm not lucky. I've been blessed my whole life. People have associated that word witch with me. And, and I have been mostly safe. Mostly. So I can see that it would be scary for people. But here's what I, I say all the time is that you don't have to walk through your downtown or go to work wearing a pentacle the size of a salad plate and a long black cloak. You can... <laughs> do the work that you do as a magic worker you can celebrate the divine feminine or however you celebrate the uh, the beautiful rainbow of deities that we all have and you don't have to dress a certain way you can choose to do that but you also if you choose to do that know that you may have to answer a lot of questions you may have to get a lot of funny looks from people But I am so with you on this. Why do we keep other in people? Why? I think the first and oldest spiritual rule is not the golden rule. I think it's the rule of hospitality is that we are obligated across every culture that I know of to welcome the stranger. And I also think that's biologically driven. Because if you are in a village situation where everybody's everybody else's cousin, then if you bring in that good-looking stranger, you might kind of up your gene pool a little bit.
1: Might be a good idea. Exactly. And the thing is, if if you um, have a nine-to-five, if you have to hide, if you have to, you know, you still do your practice. So it's a matter of not separating yourself. There is no, so there's a a thing that I started saying a few years ago. When you lead a magical life, everything you do is magic. So even tossing a salad is magic. And when people ask me sometimes, Byron, like, when do you practice? And I'm like, all day? All the time? All day? Yeah. Like, oh, but I, I never see you do a spell, or did you put a spell on. People, when I met Selena Fox and I started working with Selena Fox, uh, somebody asked me, Did you put a spell on Selena Fox? And I'm like, A, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> Duh. But B, like, no, I work my way to get close to her. I ask her for interviews. I ask her to translate her work. You know, I ask to be part of her life. So if you consider that to be a spell, then, yeah, I did a spell, <laughs> I guess, but, you know, and well, it's a relationship. I mean, you have yeah. a relationship. Yeah. The same way you build them with your ancestors, you know, because I don't have a relationship with them from October 31st, to November 15th. I celebrate my indigenous traditions. To honor the ancestors in july and august and then of september i celebrate the mighty dead on our tradition as the dead goes dormant and then of course in october and november i do the day of the dead the old souls the old saints the Sawin, the um astrological Samhain, etc. etc. so comes december i'm still on day of the dead mode i call it and then spring Is like, oh, thank you, ancestors, for pushing the daisies from under the ground, you know? So it's not a need to have an altar and a photo 24-7, but they're always with us. And last but not least, the clothes. Byron, I will never forget. It was you who I so posted. Some people get confused between a cosplay and a magic practice. Because uh, sometimes I'll be wearing there. this, sometimes I'll be wearing this, right, a pink dress, and people tell me like that looks so witchy, because it's a witch wearing it. <laughs> there's exactly. nothing witchy about a pink. There's nothing witchy about your sweatshirt, but it looks very <laughs> witchy on you, Myra. Uh, uh, thank you.
2: Yeah. um It's again, again, I want to say people should wear whatever they want to wear. And if it makes them feel comfortable or powerful or beautiful or whatever thing they're going for, bless them. Let them do whatever they want to do. But too often, I see people who spend a whole lot of either hard-earned money or money they frankly shouldn't spend so that they can have the latest beautiful renaissance dress from holy clothing or whatever that company is okay if you can afford to do that do that and i will say oh my gosh you look so beautiful in that but don't mistake that for for your practice don't mistake that for your religion and far too many people do that far too many and far too many people make the mistake and it is a mistake and i you know i I do sometimes point out to people, that thing you just did, you really shouldn't have done that. And I'm going to tell you why. But a lot of people make the mistake of if you don't dress in a certain aesthetic when you go to a festival, people ignore you. And I had that happen to me at a festival because I was probably dressed just like this and something comfortable. And I was one of their headliners, but it was in a region of the country that doesn't know me really well didn't then anyway, so uh, everybody ignored me. They just ignored me, which was okay because I had enough people, I wasn't lonely or anything. But I went up, they they made an announcement that all of the people who were gonna be part of the main ritual were gonna meet after lunch at this one particular table. And all of the headliners and all the you know, muckety mucks were all supposed to be part of this opening, the main ritual. So I go there and there's not a chair for me at the table. There's not a chair. I'm I'm good. I mean, there's a lot of places there's not a chair either literally or metaphorically for me and I just bring my own. So I stood there for a minute and they ignored me and then I got a chair and pulled it up to the corner. You know, the, you, you've done this, I know you've done it. You pull up right up to the corner and kind of wedge yourself between two people And finally, somebody looked up at me, looked over at me, looked down their nose at me and said, oh, this is a meeting for the headliners. It's about the ritual. And I said, yes, I'm supposed to be here. They told me I was supposed to be here. And they said, slowly, this is a meeting for the main ritual for headliners. And I said, yes. I'm one of the headliners. And then they basically ignored me. They did throw me the sop of, well, you can call the West then. And I was like, me, the triple water sign, you want me to call the West and the ancestors? You better be ready. As we say in the South, you best be ready. So they ignored me for the whole rest of the festival because I didn't look right. You know, I didn't have. A long black outfit and a whole bunch of jewelry and 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 I don't know what else. What else I was supposed to have that I didn't have? But I'm a good teacher, so they started to hear that I was a pretty good teacher. But they just couldn't imagine that I do ritual. Well, what used to be kind of a an open secret is that I have a master's of fine arts in theater. I'm a trained Shakespearean actor. I do Greek tragedy. I I, I know how to work my voice. So. We're calling the quarters for the main ritual. And it's the usual thing that happens where you can't quite hear well, who was that? You, I just couldn't. Put, and you have to wait until everybody starts making the sign of the pentagram in the air. And you know, oh, it's time for me to speak. Well, I wasn't standing where they expected me to stand. And I came into the quarter singing the ancestors in. And yeah, after that, they decided they could be nice to me. Oh, I had no idea, oh, oh. Well, if somebody is a a headliner at an event and they have been invited there for some reason, isn't the very least you can do is to be kind? Maybe a little bit welcoming. And so I've had that happen again and again. And when, when you were talking about othering a little bit earlier, it made me think, we also other within our community. So I don't know how often you have gotten othered because you are brown, because you speak with a quote unquote accent. I mean, I get tagged with that too. What kind of accent is that? You from Alabama or somewhere? How many times you've been othered because you're a woman, because you're an older woman, because you're a fat woman? How many times do we have to be othered within our own community? Before we understand that we can't other others, but we're not there yet for whatever reason.
1: And when you were talking about, you reminded me of the one time that I was a a guest speaker at one big week-long pagan event. And I was one of the speakers, labeled as guest, international guest speaker. And when I was mostly in my way into the speaker's lounge so I could have a muffin, I went turn around. I was told that was for the speakers. And I say, I know. Well, this is for the guest speakers. I know. Well, you cannot come in here because this is for the guest speakers. And I told this person, I am one of your guest speakers part of the festival in which you are volunteering i am one of your guest speakers and then um i i was not allowed to go into the speaker lounge until the Mm -hmm. person the person that actually runs the whole show found me and i had told her what happen and she's like no 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 you come in with me to the to the speaker lounge and of course i never feel welcome to come back to that speaker lounge ever again Sure. and it happens a lot because you don't look a certain way or you don't present yourself a certain way or you don't wear all the bells and whistles that they want you to wear uh that you are not treated as a human not only on the pagan community, of course. If I were to write a book about my experiences, Byron, there will be a book about the stick, you know, because here in the United States, I have encountered it time and time again, not only on the pagan community, but the pagan community hasn't been excluded of, you know, othering me and ostracizing me. But enough of that. <laughs> let's let's stop. Well, talk-
2: I, I I appreciate the way this conversation has gone that neither one of, both of us have pointed fingers, but we have not named names. So it gives anyone who organizes an event, it gives them a moment to think, how do I welcome people to my event? How do I do that? Do I make sure that everybody has a photograph of all of the speakers, do I send the bios to all of my volunteers so that when they see a particular person, they go, well, hey, she looks familiar. And then the volunteer maybe walks up to you and goes, are you who I think you are? And welcome, welcome, welcome. How how does that opportunity to practice sacred hospitality, how could that change the way these festivals and conferences feel? So that they don't feel exclusive because by golly, if you were somebody who came to the door to get a muffin, you should have been given a muffin and I do not give a damn who you were. But if you said, yes, I am one of your speakers, the correct response is, welcome, would you like a cup of tea with your muffin? That's the correct response. Any other response is not the correct
1: response. Yeah. And I think, you know, something that happens, as you say, you're a Saturn I'm a Mexican. Um, We are used to open the door for most everybody. Yeah. And then if there are consequences for opening the door to people that shouldn't be welcome, then we deal with those consequences. And we know how to deal. We know how to say to somebody, I withdrew my invitation, I'm going to ask you to please leave. You know, Mm -hmm. but you first open the door. And I think that is something that uh, within the community is a little bit fetishized, you know, like who are they? Do they read, do they wrote a book? Do they speak somewhere? Are they, you know, like everybody has experiences. Everybody has their own trajectory. Everybody has their own uh, reputation and you will never know who is who until you open yourself to meet them. And if you don't open yourself to meet people or you only going to meet people who look a certain way, then you are doing a disservice first to yourself and then to the community, you know, because I wish I never went back to that festival, you know, and of course I have gone back because, you know, reasons, but... um, (laughs) reasons i hear but um i think the rule of thumb should be like yeah you're welcome i mean if you are looking for a glass of water i'm gonna give you a glass of water and then i'm gonna ask you are you lost (laughs) or do you belong (laughs) Uh, so tell me about you tell me about you know i have i have heard people and now i can say names a a person like phyllis Karat, for example the phyllis corrupt that when she meets somebody, she immediately asks the person, tell me about you.
2: Tell yes.
1: Me a little bit about you. Yes.
2: And the, it's a truism that people do like to talk about themselves if they are given entree to do that. So the the thing, if you don't know who somebody is, maybe what you do is you put your hand out and you say your name. Hello, I'm Byron Ballard. And then if they don't, if they say, oh, hello, nice to meet you. And your name is, because it may be that person that just looks like a little quiet mouse is that fabulous and powerful witch you've heard so much about, but they are just being themselves right now. Yeah, I, there is so much about the pagan community that I love and that I honor I honor the fact that we are like the, we're the Island of Misfit Toys. You know, we all came from somewhere else and and it's time, it's past time for us to understand how the, the thing that binds us together is that kind of weirdo-ness. But I am very, very uh, unhappy with the level of branding that we're seeing in the community so that there are people, yes, they've written books and yes, they speak and whatever, but you go to one of their classes and there's not much there there. And that's disturbing, it's disturbing to me. And and then there are the people who feel like they get to be the judge and jury of everybody else because they have a lot of followers but then I have to ask, as my friend Seba and I had a conversation about this about six months ago, about some very famous person who, if I call their name, everybody go, oh, yes, yes. What What's that person doing for their community? Who is their community? Is their community just their readers? So they write a book and that's who their community is? Or who? how do they define community? And maybe that's different than the way I define it.
1: Mm-hmm. In communities communities because we are made of many different facets yes i don't think each human that exists has only the one community you know i was so thrilled on my birthday byron because i had pagan community from indiana from wisconsin from uh chicago i'm my vendor community from the little markets that i do here and there i have my indigenous community and I have healers community. I mean, we are but a little tiny thread, like that thread that you're weaving in your hands right now. Yeah. <laughs> we are one tiny little thread that weaves in and out to make a whole tapestry. Mm-hmm. And when one of us is left out, that whole color is left out of the tapestry. And we cannot have a tapestry with missing colors. You know, all the colors have to be weave in and out, in and out. Uh, I cannot wait until my hands heal fully so I can start doing what you're doing. I have knitting, <laughs> I'm, uh, for people that are that are not watching this yet, I have a knitting engine, em, knitting envy, because Byron is knitting <laughs> and I'm here watching her knit. <laughs> Uh but anyway, as time goes by, because I cannot believe we are already in like around 45 minutes of recording. Uh tell us a little bit, yeah, no. Tell us tell us a little bit more about Small Magics. Um are there any spells on the book? Are there exercises? What do you put on that book other than your wonderful wisdom?
2: Oh, oh you're so kind. Well, at the end of every chapter, and the chapters are broken down into things like grounding, harvesting energy, shields and protection at the end of every chapter is um, is a little paragraph that both suggests and encourages people to try what they just read about and it's now you try and then try it again if it didn't quite work and try it a different way so that's so there's the the instructional part and then there's the practicum at the end and then there is a section with some very uh simple but also effective uh workings that i've done that so that people can feel safe about it i'm amazed at the people who say i'm afraid to practice magic what if i'm really good at it (laughs) well if you're really good at it think of what you can do for your community Think of what you can do for healing. Think of all that. But they're afraid that, like some movie they saw 20 years ago, they're going to accidentally conjure a demon who's going to inhabit their body and kill their family. And I'm just like, you, you're you not living in the world of real magic. Come over here to me and live in the world of real magic. And that's what that's what small magics is about. And I, I had to laugh when my editor said, we're gonna call the book small magics. And I said, Oh, so you're gonna you're gonna take a book that is the building blocks of magical practice and you're gonna make it small. It's small magics. These are little magics you can do, you know, while you're waiting for the big magic to happen. And inside the books, when I sign them, I write, remember, there are no small magics. If you are doing magic, you're doing magic and it will your intention will tell what the size is but the size has nothing to do with the importance
1: yeah and i have to say uh as as a friend now now is the friend talking not the host of the podcast when i saw the title small magics to me what i read in it is not the size of it but what i read in the title is the practicality of how accessible this is small bites little little, little uh bites. yeah little bites little little breadcrumbs oh my god my english is not english in today. little <laughs> little <laughs> breadcrumbs that you can take and and do this small magics but do them every day do them all the time do them when you wake up do them when you are reading a book doing when you go to the bathroom do when you're taking a shower. Uh, have you ever found... I know this is so ridiculous. I, and I can only talk to you about this because you're you. <laughs> when, when you're taking a shower, I relate the magic that happens when you're taking a shower with the magic of being in the womb. Because we're naked mm. and wet. Naked and wet. And if I have a ritual to write or a spell to... for somebody or uh, need to come up with a chant for myself or a meditation that if I go to take a shower with that in mind as I am showering as I am washing my body because you know we wash on autopilot we don't think about washing ourselves we've done it so many times we just do it and you let your mind just wonder and a lot of my greatest hits and inspirations have come when I'm taking a shower. <laughs> Has that
2: ever happened to you? Oh, absolutely. And and I also, I am pretty conscious about at the end. So the last thing that I do in my shower is I put conditioner on my hair and rinse it off. And when I'm rinsing that off and I have my hands on my head, I do a self-blessing. So I bless myself before I step out of the womb and into my world. And I, I I love doing that. I don't know that it makes my world better or makes me more conscious of what I'm doing. But what it does do is to say to my inner self, you are worth me taking the 45 seconds it's going to take to bless me. Yep. Yeah. And I think an awful lot of people don't understand their value and would let that go because i got to get out quick because I'm going to be late for work.
1: So seasoned practitioners come get your small magics so you can remember where you started or pick up something you haven't yet. Very new practitioners come get your small magics so you can get your very own pocket teacher, Byron Beller to teach you certain things. Pocket teacher, I love that. Well, it's, if you put the book on your pocket, is like a teacher in your pocket.
2: Uh, I love it. Though. I love the idea of being little enough to fit in somebody's pocket.
1: <laughs> I could probably take you on my shoulder. Come on. <laughs> I wish. I wish I could take you with me.
2: Me too. And, and I'm going to say, and this is all gushy, I know, that I just, I loved that we finally got to meet each other and that your energy and my energy were the energies that we each thought they were. Because when I first saw your face and we wrapped our arms around each other, it was like, oh yeah. No, I, I know her. I know her. Yeah. I didn't yeah, want to was... let
1: go. I have to be honest. <laughs> I, I didn't want to <laughs> let go. I wanted to keep hugging you for another three hours, but unless <laughs> we had other people around us and people to greet yeah, was, and say hi. It, it, was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And yeah. I, I'm so grateful. But uh I'm, I'm we we are already uh Hunning <laughs> some ideas to bring <laughs> yes we morning. are. Tamales. Tamales. So to have tamales <laughs> and uh, and I invite people to wait for tomorrow. I'm I'm writing about this is not a show about parliament, but I'm writing about my experiences and there is a whole section on rice, beans and tamales. So Mm, I yum. to stay tuned to, to my writing which is not a professional it's not a book it's a, you know it's just my memories you, you are a good writer you really
2: are um, I think um, you may have a little um you a little shyness about your use of English but you you write better than a lot of people have been speaking English for five generations so there.
1: Oh my God! Thank you so much. Uh, where where are you? Um, where are you going next on this presentation? I know this whole weekend, you were going around, running around to malaprops and all over the place. Yeah,
2: partying and having a great time. That was all good. This coming weekend, I'm going to a private women's retreat in Tennessee, and then at the end of the month, I'm going to a private, um, I think it's mostly women's retreat up in the mountains. And then the next big thing I'm doing is uh Phoenix Phoenix Gatherings Florida thing, second week in October for Sawa and it's an ancestor thing. And then my final gig, big gig of the year, is gonna be the Pittsburgh witches ball. And that'll be fun. I love Pittsburgh. I got a thing about
1: Pittsburgh. I know it's crazy, isn't it? Well, it is what it is. You're happy where you're happy. And uh we hope I really am, folks. So this is the magic that we do. We put the intention out there that Byron will come to Chicago and visit and do some work and share her wisdom with all Chicagoans. And then <laughs> Laura is going to kidnap her for a couple of days. And we're going to do Beans and first- rice. Beans and rice. Beans and rice and tamales. Like, yes. and, and, uh, tamales. and tamales. Yeah. And, and where can, other than the wonderful people of Malaprop's, um, if you get your book through them, your book is signed. Correct? Yes, I was just
2: up there yesterday signing another pile of books. So if you order small magics or any of my books from Malaprops, and that's malaprops.com, M A L A P R O P S.com, then I will sign that book for you. And if you say you want your name in it, I'll put your name in it. Otherwise, I'll just sign it. And I encourage people, to order their books if they have one from their local independent bookstore, because it's important
1: to keep those bookstores around. Yep. Yeah. And and absolutely, as, as we were talking earlier, you and I are fortunate and blessed to get some books on PDF to review, to read, to check them out, et cetera. But there is nothing like having your book in your hands if it's signed mm-hmm. by the author is twice the value. Or more, the value, but mm-hmm. if you cannot have it signed by the author. And you want to buy from your local? Please get it from your local bookstores because bookstores keep us working, keep our authors working, and especially witchy stores or uh, occult stores or independent stores that are not getting these big bucks, but their community. They're the glue for the community.
0: Absolutely, we didn't have those
1: little bookstores and, and witchy stops uh, stores. We <laughs> it's too early for me <laughs> <laughs> in English. All right, <laughs> God is helping. Um, I all I have to say to people is a uh, quick reminder. Uh, CSMP, we have over night, we have over nine hundred and fifty. Hours of podcasts recorded that are available for people to listen, download, and share. Uh, CSMP, the Circle Center Enabled Podcast, has shows such as Circle Talk with Deborah Rose, um, Circle of Nature with Selena Fox, Blue Marble with uh, Charlotte Bear. By the way, Blue Marble special coming up on. Uh, September 14th, so don't miss that one. We're going to be talking about the Circle Century delegation that went to Parliament of the World Religions on the 14th, so this month we will have two Blue Marbles. Uh, We also have Songs of the Pagan Tribe with Karen Greenman, who showcases all the musicians in our beautiful community. And then on Saturdays, if you speak Spanish or Portuguese or you want to learn Spanish or Portuguese, guess what? We have an amazing array of podcasters from um all over the world, Harway Tuleva, Christian Ortiz, Carolina Moore, Monica Govin, Petrucia Finclair, and yours truly Laura Gonzalez. And of course on Mondays we have Lunatic Mondays. And those are all available on Circle Center enabled podcasts, uh iTunes or TuneIn or whatever uh, Apple Tunes I guess it's called now. Um spotify and wherever you get your, your podcast you can find them you can also find them on the circle century website uh and just go to the little csmp section and you can check them by show or by month and you know you can download them and you can keep them uh byron you are the bees knees you are so wonderful i love you more than words can express i'm so glad i got to meet you finally in person and hug you and all of that and all i have left is to leave you the microphones so you can say goodnight to your audience
2: good night everyone thank you laura for being exactly what i need in my life right now thank you all who are listening or watching for supporting Laura in the amazing work that she does and supporting Circle in the amazing work that all of you do. And don't forget that there are people in the world who need you, there are people in the world who love you and that you are exactly as you need to be. And that love and enthusiasm are an amazing currency in the world of humans Go ahead and spend freely. (laughs)
1: Thank you, my love. Thank you, my love. And thank you to all my loves who listen now or listen later or watch. And never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. Lunatic Mondays is a production of Laura Gonzalez for CSN Podcasts, Building Bridges of Community Around the World.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.